great to be with you this morning. Just want to add my thanks to your um, generous giving this morning. Thank you for faithfully giving to the Lord. He knows what you've, what you've given and he will reward. And as we heard um, uh, last week, or it might have been the week before, that Ken was reminding us that uh, actually, although he was rich, for our sake, he became poor. Just also to let you know, this is not to uh, do uh, with the uh, gift aid offering, which is for future works, uh, the church especially uh, building up there. But this, uh, uh, so it's not to do with the, the gift that you've just given, but to just do with the general works of the church. As we mentioned to you beforehand, we as a church are um, needing to release, if you like, more eldership capacity at the church to, as the church grows to serve the people and look after the people uh, that God is giving us well. And I can give you some exciting news this morning that from uh, September, Rob Williams is going to be working for the church two days a week. Yeah, yeah so that's it. Very exciting. And, uh, and so... All your pastoral for all problems can come to Rob. No. <laughs> Rob's just going to do everything in two days. It's going to be no, no. So, but it, we're really looking forward to that. And actually, it's a it's a significant thing as we release more eldership capacity. It would actually mean that as a church, we have, if you like, four, uh, two full-time equivalent uh, leaders between uh, uh, myself, uh, Rob, and Chris. So that's going to be exciting, and God, we will see the blessing of that as a church as well. So do be praying for him and Georgie and the family. Uh, do be praying for us as a church as well. His, his school, it's now public knowledge at his school, so we could uh, let you know. It is public knowledge at your school, isn't it? It is now. It is now. There you go. <laughs> I did check beforehand that I could say that. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, sorry, Rob, if I've got you in any trouble. <laughs> anyway. We're continuing our series on preparing the way for the Lord and looking at removing the obstacles. So I thought I'd tell you uh, a story from when I was a young Sai Fry. Reminds me of a little bit of uh, uh, um, from The Lion King when I was a young warthog. But when I was a young Sai Fry, uh, and Anna was still Anna Matthews there. And I liked her. In fact, that liking grew into love. Oh, it's a love story, isn't it? It's nice. Oh, yeah. And so I thought, I need to start doing things to try to make her like me back. <laughs> like washing. Yeah, well, I thought using deodorant was part of that. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. When I, when I got saved, I, you know, put away all worldly things. And then my dad graciously said to me, it's like, God might not care what you smell like, but we do. <laughs> anyway, that wasn't part of it. But uh, yes, I, I got rid of my 1992 Winter Olympic ski jacket that was purple, black, and mustard color. Oh, it was a real looker. And, uh, and uh, I bought myself the in-fashion Kappa Teflon jacket that was out at the time. Oh, yes, this was 1997, and it was this six-month window that Kappa was in fashion, and I got a jacket at that time. Shortly went out of fashion afterwards. But anyway, I told Anna my best jokes, 
didn't take very long, but I told her my best jokes. I would do my best moves on the worship floor to try and win her over. Do you know what? I was like a young Samuel Jackson. Why, why are you laughing at me? Apart from the fact that, yes, obviously I'm not black. And also, I'm not cool at all. So apart from that, I was like a young Samuel Jackson. And uh, God, in his goodness, calls Anna to like me as well. Uh, back, praise, praise the Lord. And we started dating, and I got that intense feeling of love that you get when you're, uh, when you're you know, falling in love with somebody. And I would do things for Anna to make her happy, but also because I wanted her to love me. I, would, I would wanted her to feel love, yes, most, most definitely, but also I wanted her to be with me. There was a lot of self-interest, if you like, in that love of mine given. And that actually is all good and fine at that stage, uh, the forming stage of a relationship. And these days, actually, sadly, that's often where relationships and marriages just uh, end up going that, that deep in their love. But there is a deeper love. There is a higher love that God has for humanity, a sacrificial love, and that he expects his people to grow in. And that's what I want us to consider today as we look at preparing the way for the Lord. I want to look at love defined. I want to build up the idea of love defined and remove the flawed view in our society uh, the, the flawed view of love that it promotes in our society. Love is love, is what is often a slogan that is used these days to justify all things, because who can argue with love? What higher or more noble thing is there in society, in the world, than love? Love is always right. It trumps every situation, is what society uh, teaches us it's the ace card in any and every situation. So when John Lennon and the Beatles in 1967 released their hit song, there you go. Yes, L all you need is love. Love is all you need. You know, it won general praise. It was uh, in Western society as it encapsulated <coughs> what was happening and also what people wanted to happen as well. You don't need religion. You don't need rules in so or society to govern love or tell you how to love. Just be a free agent. Have free love. Do what you want, as long as you're guided by love. Love is the noblest thing. It's the brightest light. It's always right. So be guided by love Alone, And for the last 60 years, roughly, that undefined view of love has been promoted and still is promoted in our society with little, in fact, or even no thought as to why love is so highly viewed in our society and in Western society as well. Why is love right? Why is it the noblest thing? Why is not might 
right as the Romans or the Greeks saw the world as a crotocracy? Or why are not we right, as in communist nations and communism would teach in like China and Russia and places like that? Or our nation is right? Or even your race is right, as fascism and racism would teach? Or I am Right. Why is that not the highest thing? As depending on who you are, either uh, autocracy or a democracy uh, would uh, promote as uh, as well. Or why not just submission and servitude to a higher power is right, as many religions around the world would promote. No, the very reason that those words, all you need is love, love is all you need, resonated with society. And people thought, oh, this, this is wonderful. Was, in fact, historian Tom Holland would point out, is because of Jesus Christ and Christianity. That's why love was so highly praised in Western society. They were, the irony is, they were trying to break away from Christianity and by promoting the very thing that Christianity has raised up to be viewed so highly in society. They were praising the walls whilst taking the foundations that those walls rested on. They were praising the strength of the tree trunk whilst chopping off at the roots that fed, gave life to the tree trunk. You see, love then in the 60s became unhinged, unattached, and therefore it actually became meaningless. You see, a door to a beautiful house can be a wonderful thing to go through and enjoy. But an unhinged door, what is that? It's just a, a dead weight. It's just a, a temporary shelter as it leans against something that's not really very good. It's an inefficient raft to float on. Or it's something, if it's in my house, to be chopped up and burned and give you sort of a temporary warmth while, you, while it burns away. And that is what happens to love when it is divorced from Christ. Love is reduced to an individual's feelings or wants or desires, whether it be yours or somebody else's. It's very subjective. So just 26 years later after that Beatles song, or to put it another way, one generation, the children of the people that adopted that lie, end up saying, this that Hadaway puts in his song. Very catchy tune. Very catchy tune, but it's asking you a valid question. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. Because in this generation's uh, twisted, the next generation's uh, understanding of love, love can hurt somebody quite easily. Love unhinged from God can mean anything. Thus, the phrase, as I said, love is love, is actually meaningless. It can be used to justify, as Ken pointed out a few weeks ago, any idolatry, immorality, or injustice. As long as it's, you know, because of love, you can get away with it. Let me just quote some things that have happened in the news. I won't mention names, but in the news over the last few years, and this has been used to justify it, any sexual behaviour or affairs... Uh, have been uh, justified by it in our news. People that you uh, have, who um, 
had been promised to love, cherish, and honor till death do you part, have been used. This, this phrase has been used to justify uh, them because actually, oh, I've got this new feeling. I've got this new desire. So loyalty, care, and faithfulness can be divorced from this type of love. People are left weeping and agonizing over how a loved one has been brutally treated. And whilst other people who are in the know of what happened are denying justice because, well, I couldn't, I wasn't going to tell on my partner. I wasn't going to tell on my son. I love him. I was going to protect them from what had happened. Truth and justice can be divorced from this type of love. Some of you in the room actually bear the scars of this type of twisted love in your life. You see, my friends, the popular phrase in society, love is love, is meaningless. It's used to justify all manner of wrongs, so suboptimal to what love should actually be if love is defined, if it is attached to something. And the truth is, my friends, love has been defined, hasn't it? Love is attached to something. For love is not love, but God is love. 1 John 4, verse 8. Hallelujah, yes, that's true. It is. God is love. Not love is God, as that would lead you down exactly the same path as before, of love is love. But God is love. God is greater. God is higher. God is the one who actually defines what love is and what it isn't. Not you or I, but the living God. And he in his love made this world, made you and I to know him and experience his love. That's actually why all human beings have that innate desire within them to experience love and to receive something from the love of God. Yet without God, people seek that love in all sorts of wrong places and constantly get let down. Even though humanity rebelled against God and have gone their own way and come under his judgment, in love, God sent his son, as we've already heard this morning, the Lord Jesus Christ, the personification of love, if you like. Jesus Christ, he personified love to us. You want to know what love looks like? Look at Jesus Christ. You want to know how faithful love is? Look at Jesus Christ. You want to know how love deals with the poor and the needy? Look at Jesus Christ. You want to see how love responds to those who try to force their way on other people? Look at how Jesus responds to the Pharisees and the religious people of his day. You see, love is defined for God is love. And love is personified for us in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And thankfully, it has been summarized for us as well by the Apostle Paul in what he calls the most excellent way. And it's often read at weddings. It appear on the screen behind me. This is what Paul tells us and the Bible tells us love is. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice 
at wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things. It's faithful. It's loyal, in other words. It believes all things. It doesn't mean gullible. Believe is the uh, uh, verb, if you like, of, uh, of faith. And uh, so it's talking about keeping faith in all things. Love keeps faith in all things. It hopes all things. Remember, biblical hope is something that is certain. It's something that's going to happen. It just hasn't happened yet. It's talking about sort of Romans 8, 28 type sort of hope there. And it endures all things. For those of you that know this passage, see how cleverly Paul there makes, uh, makes clear that faith and hope, if you like, are byproducts of true love there. And all these were perfectly displayed in the person of Jesus Christ and recorded for us for all time in the Gospels so that we can see what love is like. Let me just define love for you again. I'll use the good news version just so you get a different, uh, slightly different perspective on it. It says this, love is patient and kind. It is not jealous or conceited or proud. Love is not ill-mannered or selfish or irritable. Love does not keep a record of wrongs. Love is not happy with evil but is happy with the truth. Love never gives up. It's faith, hope, and patience never fail. You see, true love, as defined by God, won't hurt you. Some people in the room need to hear that today. It won't wrong you. It won't give up on you. It won't break faith with you. It won't make you feel small, run recklessly roughshod over your life. It won't belittle you. It won't make you feel unimportant. But neither will it justify you when you're wrong or encourage you to engage in sinful and wicked practices, because that's not loving either. Love is strong enough to lift you up when you fall down, but also strong enough to stand up to you when you start walking down a path that you shouldn't walk down because it leads to your harm. Love will give you strength to overcome even your own feelings, desires, and thoughts that steal, kill, and destroy your life because love would want you to have life and life in all its fullness, which is only found in Jesus Christ. Love is sacrificial. It is given even at the cost of the giver. That's actually why if you look in some of the older versions of the Bible, they use the word charity there, talking about your own personal charity. It costs as you give the type of love that the Bible encourages us to give. Love keeps pointing you back to God, the source of love, and to the eternal hope that we all have in the Lord Jesus Christ, warning you and all who will listen against hell and coming under God's judgment to Jesus, who is the doorway to receiving God's love, to receiving God's forgiveness, to receiving his healing and help in your life. That's why Christ came, the only person to truly live a perfect life, to live a life of love, if you like, fully pleasing God the Father, in all he did, then willingly, in love, dying on the cross for you, 
and for me, so that all who come to him and put their trust in him, ask him for forgiveness, can be forgiven, because he takes this, your sins and my sins on himself, on the cross. We can be forgiven, we can be set free, we can start experiencing God's love afresh in our lives each day through Jesus. And it's not so something you experience here and now, although it is something to experience here and now, that we experience it throughout eternity as God continues to pour, to lavish, the Bible says, his love upon us as we are with him forever and ever. Hallelujah. If you're here or if you're watching online and you've never given your life to Christ before and you want to know God's wonderful life-giving love in your life, you want to, be, to, to know his spirit's help, his spirit's help in your life, helping you live the life of love that God wants you to, then just pray this prayer in your heart along with me now. Just, just in the quiet, God knows what you're thinking. Just pray this prayer of surrender to him. Heavenly Father, thank you that you loved me enough to send your son to make a way for me to know your love. Jesus, thank you that you love me enough to die on the cross so that I could be forgiven for all the things that I've done wrong that offend you. Please send your spirit to live in me, to help me live for you, to experience your love and live the life of love that you've called me to. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer uh, and you're in the room, please come and see me afterwards. I'd love to give you one of these to help you in your journey of faith with Jesus. And if you're watching online, please contact the office. We'd love to uh, say get in contact with you and help you in your walk with Jesus Christ and understand what you've done a bit more. But for some of us, as I've been highlighting and contrasting what society says is love and what and against God's perfect love for us, you've realized, as I've been speaking, that's why that situation hurt so much. That's why that thing I'm really struggling with, because actually it was not love. My friends, all human love is flawed, by the way. Even the love of a mother for a child as great as that may be, there's only one person who is perfect in love, and that is God. He will never let you down. You may be here and you may be in a privileged position of actually having several people, many people around you who love you to the best of their ability in a way that tries to resemble Christ to some degree. And praise God for that. That's a wonderful place to be in. But even their love will be flawed and they will let you down from time to time. Each one of us should strive to love others in the way that the Bible tells us love, with that sacrificial love that resembles Christ as well. But we, we will let people down from time to time. The only one who never lets us down is Jesus. And we're called to love sacrificially, even though it may cost us, just as Christ has loved us. But this love comes 
from God. It's not something we conjure up uh, within ourselves. No, no, no. The Bible tells us quite clearly, actually, we love God because he first loved us. 1 John 4, 19. It's as we experience the perfect love of God in our own lives, in our own hearts afresh. It transforms us and then flows through us to the world around us. It flows through us to God's people, the church. It's actually a sign that we truly love God, that we love his people. Those people who, who say, oh yeah, no, I, I love God, but you know, I, I can take or leave church. They're offering God a substandard love, if you like. That, and actually, it may even be a sign that they don't fully love God as well. The Bible's quite clear on that in 1 John chapter 4. We, if we say we love God who we haven't seen, then we have to love the brothers and sisters who we can see around us. So the Bible is clear on that. No, God, we don't define love. We're not its source. God defines love. God is its source because God is love. But here's the challenge to us, Christ Church. That just as Christ came and was the personification of love, it is now the church's job, his people's job, to make God's love visible here on earth to the world around us. It's now through the church, the Bible says, that the manifold wisdom of God is being displayed. We're ambassadors of Christ. We represent Christ. How you behave, how you act, how you react to situations, how you love your family, how you love the church, how you love those that God brings across your path will paint a picture on people's hearts as to what God's love looks like. My friends, it's a tall order, isn't it? No wonder we need the Spirit's help day by day to regularly encounter God's love. And God wants to pour his love afresh into your, your life so that you can paint the most beautiful picture of love on the hearts of others around. Something that resembles God the Father's love to this world. So I'm going to finish now. I'm going to invite the, the worship team to come back up. And I'm going to pray for us that we would have a fresh encounter of God's love. And I've asked them to, to sing a song that just declares the truth of heaven's love for us. So as we worship God in spirit and truth, I'm expecting God's spirit just to fall on you. And can I just say that actually as God fills you afresh with his love, it's okay to, uh, for emotions to, to run high. In fact, some of you, particularly if you've been hurt, may feel the spirit may just come and highlight that to you and just bring healing to that situation, which may cause tears. It may cause you to think, oh, Lord, and as you hand that over to him, he will meet with you. That's fine. God's spirit is here to bring healing, to bring wholeness, to bring life in all its fullness to you. So can I invite you to stand? I'm just going to pray, and then let's use this song as a song to, to respond to God as we close this meeting, because God wants to pour his love into your life today. Heavenly Father, thank you that you loved us enough, Lord God, to send 
Jesus to come to earth to live that life of love. Lord Jesus, thank you that you loved us enough to die for us, Lord God, so that we could be forgiven and that we could experience your love. And Lord, I just want to pray for every person in this room and every person watching. Lord God, would you just come now, Holy Spirit, and just pour out your love afresh into, your, into their hearts, Lord, into each person. Come and meet with them now. Lord God, I pray, would they receive afresh from your love? Receive the love of the Father has for you, that he gave his only son. While we were still sinners, God, Christ came and died for us. This is how much God loves us. God wants to meet with you where you are. Just receive from me. Maybe put your hands out in front of you if you feel comfortable doing that. God wants to pour out his love afresh into your hearts right now. He's here. Lord, continue to pour out your love. I pray, meet with people. Bring healing, Lord God, where they've experienced love that isn't really love, Lord God, where they've been hurt by people that they have loved, Lord God, where they've been let down. Holy Spirit, just come. Thank you that you love us, Lord God. Thank you that you are our healer. And I pray, come and minister to people now. Come and fill us afresh, Lord God, with your love so that we can paint a vivid and bright picture of the love of God to the world around us, Lord. We need your love, Lord. Thank you in Ephesians 3, Lord, that we see that magnificent prayer that we can experience the height and the depth and the breadth and the length of the love of God that surpasses understanding. And Lord, I just pray, come and just fill us, Lord, baptize us in your love afresh, I pray this morning. Meet with each person, I ask, in Jesus' name. Amen.